0: It's called punch drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. They were super necessary. to episode 74 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favourite combat sports podcast, hosted by two dudes who can't fight, and no way less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis. I'm joined, as always, by Adam. What a night in Miami. The 305 delivered far. Outseeded everyone's expectations, I think. What an incredible night. The UFC showing why it is the Premier combat sports organization on the planet once more. How oh, well, are you, mate? Are you are you still, like, on cloud nine after Izzy's unreal performance?
1: 100%. Obviously, we're going to tuck into Izzy and the amazing performance that it was, but, yeah, honestly, it's never – it until Izzy fought, it had never rung more true that we know way less about fighting than we think we do. But thank God uh, I had the uh, go ads to get behind Izzy for the KO and – Boy, did that pay off.
0: Woo-hoo-hoo, mate. I mean, top to bottom, what a night. There were so many brilliant fights. On paper, we told you in the previous show, episode 73, what a great night of fights this was going to be. And somehow, it exceeded our already high expectations. It was truly phenomenal. The matchmaking was superb. The fights were brilliant. Everyone went out there, put it on the line, and ultimately, when that happens, you get to witness greatness. And we truly got to witness one of the most important, one of the most brilliant, one of the most significant knockouts in mixed martial arts history. This will be featured on the intro for pay-per-views in future years forever, in perpetuity, such is the significance of this moment. It cannot be understated the brilliance of Israel Adesanya and how he managed the entire fight, how he lured Pereira in, how he rope-a-doped, played possum, drew him in, got him comfortable, and took him out in violent, beautiful fashion. But not even the fight itself. We talked about this in the preview. The absolute minerals, the stones on Adesanya to go back in there with the guy that's beaten him three times. That stopped him. That knocked him out. That was ready to do it once more. The scariest man potentially on pr- planet Earth. That's what. That's what Alex Pereira is. He's a terrifying human being. And yet, Izzy was not deterred. He went straight back into the fire, and he put himself in a vulnerable position, somewhere where he could end up being a meme once more. His legacy was on the line. It was legacy defining, and he's put all of that once, all of that to side. And we can talk about rematches, trilogies, whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, Israel has closed the door on Alex Pereira as his kryptonite, as his boogeyman, and cemented himself as the second, if not potentially the greatest, when it's all said and done. There's only one man who can now challenge Anderson Silva's throne for greatness, and that is Israel Adesanya. Holy shit, man. Talk to me. Talk me through the fight. Round one, how did you feel it was going? And then, of course, Let's let's get into the knockout as well because I know you're you one of the biggest Izzy stands on the planet. Talk to me, brother. How are you feeling about this?
1: Oh, so many, so many feels. I think the first round, to answer your question, I think it went pretty well, but those leg kicks were, everyone was talking about it it was very obvious. You didn't have to have any sort of expertise to know that that was happening. And uh, if you're listening to the commentary, they wouldn't stop talking about it because obviously from the last fight, that was what ended up being uh, the kryptonite in the end. But, yeah, man, Izzy, he looked good. He looked angry. He looked determined. And that first round, he he was pretty strong overall. But, honestly, it was the second round where until three seconds before that knockout, uh, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, deja vu, but round two. And... He was in that exact position and like you said he possum him in trapped him and bang bang it was kind of the same right hand twice to the same spot and honestly the fact that Pereira even took that first one and just stayed standing is terrifying in itself <laughs> i reckon and i think if it is he was like i gotta pounce on this because last time you know it was similar to what happened before the round the round one ended in the first fight yeah. you know he had him wobbled And he's like, ah, that ain't happening this time. And gave him that one extra one on the ground, which who knows if it was necessary, but I think we all, anyone that watches Super
0: necessary.
1: (laughs) I think anyone that watches fights is like, I would have done that exact same thing. And then I would have sprinted out of the cage and been like, I don't want to see that man ever again. (laughs) Yeah. As as usual, Izzy had the perfect celebration. He said just about the perfect words. Probably got a bit carried away, but... um, How do you not get carried away in that sort of a situation? Uh, And then you know he had Rogan and DC pretty much welling up and crying at the end. Um, And yeah, I bought the pay per view, so I rewatched the fight about three times last night and one more time today.
0: (laughs) I love it, man! I love it. You're you 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 summed up everything so perfectly. Uh, We'll 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 do the post fight bit and all of that. We'll park that. We'll, we'll, we'll come back around to that. Of course, the leg kicks were there. Everyone was talking about it. Even us two clowns who don't know jack shit about fighting could see that that was potentially going to be a problem. And you're right that in the first fight, ultimately the damage that he wore on his legs and the exhaustion took his legs out from underneath him. He fell down. And, and, and when he was standing back to his feet, that's when Pereira, when it moved in for the kill shot and it was all over. That didn't happen in the second round. His legs were still underneath him. And This might be giving Israel even too much credit, but he's so brilliant, I'm going to give him the ultimate benefit of the doubt and give him all of the credit in the world and just assume that everything was done in a calculated manner with intent and part of the game plan that him and his team put together coming into this fight. He came out and he let that lead leg get chopped up intentionally. He wasn't checking the kicks. He wasn't looking to get out of the way of them. It almost like he was programming Pereira to put him back in the same mindset, to, to transport him back six months to when he won the belt, to make him feel comfortable and go, Well, this is going to script. I'm following the same path to success that I had last time. If Vizzy wanted to, he could have maneuvered out of that. He then switched to Southpaw to sort of indicate that, Oh, my left leg is, my, my lead leg has been compromised. It's bothered. I don't want you to keep going and to then draw him into the cage an extremely high risk decision by the way because once he's back to the cage there is no out there is no out you can't circle out of that against pereira he's got you cornered he has you trapped like a like a, you know a, a bear in a bear trap he's got you coming in exactly where he wants you he's a hunter coming in for the kill you're in his snare. And Israel willingly and intentionally backed himself into that position, that position of extreme danger, but on the flip side, a position of extreme reward. And it was the highest stakes game of poker. I think I used the same analogy on the show before, I've got to get some new material, but it was the highest highest stakes game of poker imaginable. The chips were in and Pereira smelt the blood in the water. But it was what Israel wanted. He wanted him to be teleported back to that moment in the fifth round in the first mixed martial arts contest, that he was ready to kill him, to finish him. and He was swinging the wild hooks and opening himself up, but Izzy's legs were underneath him. He was aware. He was watching everything through his guard and he picked the moment, bam, the perfect right hand straight down the middle. Boxing 101, the straight shots always land faster than the hooks because simply they have less distance to travel. It is the fundamentals of boxing. And he just fired that piston of a right hand right down the middle. Izzy looking at him, his frame, he's skiddy. It doesn't look like he's got power, but boy, does he have power. His timing's impeccable. And Pereira was launching himself into the shot. It was unreal. And then, of course, the second one, he quickly followed up, and it was night, night. It was beautiful. It was masterful. And I truly believe every part of it was well-intentioned and pre-planned that this is how he was going to get him. He was going to lull him into the false sense of security, let him overcommit, let him get excited and open up and give himself those vulnerabilities to Pereira to pounce on, uh, to Edesanya to pounce on. And he certainly did that. Bloody hell, mate. Uh, It was seven (laughs) o'clock in the morning and I was absolutely losing my mind, still trying to keep quiet, conscious of neighbors in the vicinity and such. But my goodness, it it was unreal what was unfolding. It it, It can't be overstated how significant this is in terms of greatness, in terms of legacy, in terms of silencing the doubters and the critics. And to put on a performance like that and a stoppage when Recently, people have been critical of Israel for not being the cold, calculated killer, the finishing machine that he was on his come up all the way to the top. He became the hunter. He had to risk it all to get back what he believed was rightly his. And he, oh, he did it. And he did it to absolute perfection. It was truly masterful.
1: Yeah, and it was a disbelief for me. And I'm sure for so many fans, like the way it happened, how quickly it happened. And, you know, he looked looked like he was a bit gone. And, man, the the very, very feminine shriek that I let out as soon as it happened and the dancing I was doing in my own lounge room and the screaming. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, To be honest, I was embarrassed about it until I saw Volk posted, you know, on his YouTube channel, him watching the fights. And I'm sure a few people have already seen his reaction. It seems to be doing the rounds all over the socials, but my probably not quite as masculine as Volk but my reaction was identical to his and I was just like ah so I'm not the only psychopath going around and it was also so refreshing to see Volk react like that because he always talks about how when he fights not only does he not really get emotional but he's not nervous at all and it just like it always baffles me because I'm like I sit there and watch your fights Volk and I am a fucking wreck like my legs yeah. are jelly. I'm going
0: vom- to vomit. I'm nauseous.
1: <laughs> so it was so Knees good. weak. <laughs> Palms <laughs> are sweaty. Seriously, last <laughs> time I watched him fight at a pub, like I was sitting there like talking to my mate and I'm like, I literally feel like I'm going to pass out right now. I'm that fucking nervous. And um, it was just so good <laughs> to see Volk like so nervous watching someone. Obviously, he knows Izzy and he's really close to them, but – He's obviously just a massive fan of UFC and a massive fan of Izzy, and he was a fucking wreck too. And it was like, ah, oh, okay, it's normal for those watching to, to yeah. do these things. Ba- basically, really basically
0: what I'm hearing, basically what I'm hearing is that you and I and Volk are, you know, cut from the same cloth. We're, we are basically the same. Is is what I'm hearing from this. Uh,
1: I don't know about you, fucking pomps, but uh, me and, Volk, <laughs> me and Volk are, yeah.
0: Me. I, I, I went through it as well. The last Volk against Makachev, I sat rocking back and forth on the couch, sweating, hand wringing watching that performance against Makachev. Uh, yeah, I, I went through it as well. Don't you worry? Don't you bloody worry? Uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome to see the the, the CKB ties run deep. It was awesome to see that fanboy in reaction, and so many people had the same. Yeah, I, let's 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 talk about the celebration, the post fight uh, speech as well, because it's all part of it. It, it. it it all adds to the legacy, to the greatness of Adesanya. To have the presence of mind in this moment when you've overcome your biggest obstacle, your entire Career is going to be defined by this fight. And for him to have the presence of mind and to, to, to get on the microphone and tell people to go out and whatever you do, you don't have to be a fighter, go out and, and, and just try your very best and put it on the line. And if you succeed, you'll experience moments of happiness similar to what he's feeling. Although I think, uh, you know, I, very few people uh, in a nine to five office job are going to get quite the same level of euphoria when succeeding that the, the, Israel probably uh, reached in Miami on Saturday night. Yeah, Nonetheless, I thought his speech was very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, his speech was, was very good. He said to Rogan, I don't know if you noticed, he said, Joe, can I just take the microphone and just mm. run with something? And Joe was like, yeah, of course you can do whatever you want right now. Uh, so that, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, you know, the lips first. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, yeah, the maybe a little OTT with the with the firing multiple arrows into his you know unconscious body might have been a bit a bit over the top. What but, about you know.
1: the, the diggity sum?
0: I actually, you know what that shithousery I actually thought it was hilarious. Only because I, the the reason why is you know I, I'm sure it must be unreal. Like you know, as as a small kid to watch your dad, who when you're a kid you you know, you think your dad's a superhero superhuman anyway that's just
1: daddy's alex pereira
0: (laughs) yeah 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 exactly it's always like my my dad would batter your dad's like that's just that's just facts right and you're always like uh, but it's it must be insane to watch your dad be like glory champion da 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 da. like one of the best fighters on the planet unreal alex pereira also should have pulled his son aside and said son i know like you but you got to respect the guys that I fight as well. I had no problem with it because it was encouraged. Pereira, Pereira multiple times has shared the clip on his Instagram and sort of f- added fuel to the fire and brought his son into the into the conversation as fair game. And he didn't go after his son. He didn't swear at him. He wasn't rude. He just got his attention and, and you know did the exact same thing. So it, it it was it was a bit of fun and games in the end. I enjoyed the shithousery. People will blow it way out of proportion. I th- and him and Pereira afterwards were clearly good. There was a lovely scene that came out. UFC posted it. They you know, lot showed a lot of respect between one another. He even gave, he gave him his, 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 his due in the post-fight speech. He said he, he's a true champion. He's been champion, of course. He's one of the old. You know, he's a he's a great fighter. They've fueled each other's legacy. This rivalry has taken them both to heights now that they would never have reached without one another. You need great opponents to take yourself into the pantheon levels of all-time greats, whether it's in boxing, whether it's in mixed martial arts, whether it's in Formula One or football, sports. You need the protagonist, the antagonist, the push, the pull to be able to generate these narratives and and storylines. And Alex Pereira has certainly given Israel Adesanya that. I thought the whole thing overall was just an incredible performance. Just I'm, I, as you can tell, I'm on cloud nine about it. I'm buzzing. I know you are as well. But now we got to talk legacy. We, we have to snapshot now. This puts Izzy right up there, in my opinion, as like, okay, probably top 10 all time greats, along with the likes of Demetrius Johnson, Jose Aldo, all of these other great fighters. Izzy is shot up there now. And He's almost done with middleweight. His his tail at middleweight. His race is nearly run. There are one or two potential more challenges for him, and I, we're going to talk about that next. What's both of these fighters? But he needs to move to two hundred five, and he needs to do it properly. He needs to to to, to put the weight on, gain some size, do it not the same extent of time that John Jones took to do to move up to heavyweight. It's also a less dramatic transition. Probably only needs to put on about 15 to 20 pounds versus 40, 50, 60 or whatever John put on. So I think he should do, he should consider doing that probably next year and has, has a run at the belt at light heavyweight once more. And we probably see him call it quits because he's made so much money. He's a star. He'll get out of the sport with all of his faculties intact and his legacy cemented as one of the greats all time. So, Adam, what does he have to do, or can he, in your estimation, surpass Anderson Silva as the greatest middleweight of all time? Or does the fact that he can no longer catch him in terms of consecutive title defenses, does that, you know, mean that he'll always come up short in your
1: estimation as as the middleweight goat? Oh, I think it 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 means that it, there'll always be discussion, no matter what Izzy does. But I think, I think Izzy's beaten tougher guys and probably has done it for, you know, as long as Anderson has at a time where the UFC's never been bigger, the pressure's never been higher, the, stage, the, the lights have never been brighter and obviously I'm an Izzy stand, so I'm going to be biased. But, um, yeah, I think just given if you, like stats are kind of what these arguments become over time. It's just Anderson's yeah. always going to be in that conversation forever. Now, yeah.
0: yeah, I I agree. I've been thinking about this, and when we recorded the the GSP, um, the GSP punch drunk history, and also when we have dissected uh, Leon's win wins multiple now over over Kumaru, we t- we talked about GSP's long sustained success and being able to turn up event after event when the pressure's on as the champion continue to deliver and not blip and not falter and build up this sustained un- almost untouchable legacy um and we said that you know Kamaru dropping that no matter what he does now is probably going to be difficult to surpass and maybe I'm just doing mental gymnastics in my head because I just want to give Izzy all of the respect in the world but I do think it's a little bit different for Izzy because Izzy lost to Pereira and st- st- that streak of title defences was snapped. The only reason that happened was because of his own greatness. Izzy built the rod for his own back. He cleaned out middleweight to such an extent that there were no viable contenders left that the UFC had to fast-track a two-weight, two-weight, weight class, simultaneous champion from glory and bring in, parachute someone in from another sport, give him favourable matchups to cr- to to lean into the narrative. He was the only viable person left for Izzy at that time. The middleweight division has been cleaned out even now when we're going to talk about what's next. You have to get creative with your thinking because yeah. there's no clear number one contender. He's got wins, multiple over many, all the way down to Dricker's Duplessis. He His own greatness necessitated the fact that the UFC had to get creative and bring in a fucking monster from kickboxing just to give Israel a challenge. And so, yes, he did lose that fight, but the manner in which he dominated the fight and then got caught at the end to then coming back, stepping into the fire and knocking Pereira out inside two rounds makes me go, you know what? I might give him a mulligan on that loss because when you look at the totality of everything, I go, okay, he's never going to get the streak but he certainly might get the total number of title defences. And he and as what you said, the quality of the opponent that he's beaten, for me, Anderson will be one of the top three all-time greats ever because of how he changed the sport. But remember, he's been put into the pioneer wing, not the modern wing of the Hall of Fame. And so we always have to see the, the, it's, it's unfair to judge because he could only fight who was there at the time. Who's to say if we put young anderson silver into the fire now what he would become he would probably just be as good as israel so it's unfair to to say to 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 to, to rule out that uh you know or to to just h- hypothesize but i suppose ultimately that's all you can do in these GOAT debates there's no true right answer it's a topic of conversation and i truly think when it's all said and done what would the, the the records that anderson has the records that izzy has they're going to be almost identical but for the consecutive title defenses. And that was because of Izzy's greatness, his own greatness in the middleweight division, that they had to parachute an absolute assassin in to go in to give him a give him a proper challenge. And one that he's turned around. And okay, it took him a fight, but he bloody
1: well did it. Yeah, you said that so well. I think Yeah, I think we could debate forever about go status, but the thing is. From what we've seen, Izzy is as good as he's ever been. So we'll see what else is to come. I think if he went up in a weight class and started winning, well then that legacy continues to go. But if he decides to go up, there's a fairly good chance that the boogeyman's going to be up there as well, and the boogeyman's yeah. going to be even bigger than Izzy again because the you know yeah. they're moving up. Yeah. It's just going to be the same thing. So. Man, I don't know. I think- so, would
0: you like to see? Would you like to see a trilogy immediately, or what would you like to see next for both of these guys? Let's assume Dana White has said. Let's assume is he's. Uh, excuse me, uh, Alex is going up to 205. I think the cuts on him are brutal. I think that probably partially contributed to the to the knockout as well. That he was, you know, he's he does this massive cut. He does get drained. Maybe he doesn't have complete the the requisite amount of fluid in his head. I don't know. But let's uh let's Assume he goes up to two oh five. What do you want to see next for both of these guys?
1: Well for Izzy, I think if he if he's staying at middleweight, I think there's there's no there's no obvious opponent, obviously. I think Hamza is the scariest, most interesting one, but that would have to be Izzy's choice because he hasn't earned earned the fight at that weight class. He has to Bingo. beat some other guys. So and if that's Izzy's choice, then that just makes it even cooler and even tougher if he beats him. And uh, I guess we could talk for 20 minutes about who would win that fight, but that is the one I would be most interested in at middleweight. I think the other one that's fairly likely only if the pay per views in Australia or New Zealand would be Whitaker uh, again, which, you know, it doesn't have that much appeal. He, he probably has earned it because Whitaker's basically beaten everyone else too. Um, but yeah, I think Whitaker in Australia would be potentially at one, but I don't think. That many people want to see it. I doubt Izzy would want to even do it, and who knows if Rob wants to do it. Um, and then the only one which he hinted at at the press, but didn't say his name, was uh, Drickus duplessis who it's obviously not going to be his next fight. So, But yeah. that would be cool if Dricus would manages to win another couple of fights and then it's in Africa or something like that, and uh, Izzy fights him there. But, yeah, that's a big promotion uh, for Duplicy. I think if there's any motivation ever, it's like, there's dollar signs there, mate. If you fucking get some cardio and get your nose fixed,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All all of those, yeah. That's that's basically that's basically a landscape. As you absolutely hit the nail on the head, Hamzat does not deserve an immediate title shot at middleweight. I don't think that's going to happen. It seems like the UFC is moving towards Hamzat either Hamzat versus Paulo Costa, maybe Hamzat versus Rob Whittaker. Now, Rob Whittaker beats Hamzat. Bam, there you go. You've got an immediate. You you now have something to sell to give him a third. Bite at the cherry against Adesanya. Right now, it's an impossible sell, and it would lean entirely on the star power of Adesanya. Just quickly, I also can't don't think- give
1: me any reasoning, just yes or no. Does Rob Whitaker beat Hums Up? Yes. Oh, huge. Which that obviously means you think Izzy would too. Okay, keep going. Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes to both of those. So I think you do Hamzat versus Paolo Costa. I think the great thing to do, they're talking about a fight night in Sweden later on in the year. Hamzat is a superstar, massive in Sweden. You put him versus Costa, headline the fight night, bang. You're welcome, UFC. I'm doing your job for you. Beautiful. I'll uh, I'll me, you know, me, me and uh, Uncle Dana, we're boys, I'll shoot him a message later, you know? Um so I think that's what you do. The fight that I think you do next for for, for Israel, and I think you let him have a little bit of time off. You let the middleweight division figure itself out. There's a few other fights to be made there. I think if I think you do, um, as I said, you do Hamzat versus Paolo Costa, and I think you do Drickus versus either Marvin Vittori or Rob Whitaker, if Rob is willing to take that fight. Again, that could be the headline of a fight night, And because Drikus, I don't think Drikus has ever been scheduled for a five round fight, at least not in the UFC. So we have no idea if, and we know he has cardio questions. What's he going to look like in a five round fight? You can't put that through a title shot. You have to go through, uh, at least be scheduled as a main event for a five round fight before you even consider giving Drikus a title shot. The UFC is now in a prime position with Adesanya back at the top of the tree to go to Africa. I believe there's a, a new stadium. I saw a tweet. I didn't get all the details. It bloody you know when a tweet you see it and then the, the news feed refreshes and it just disappears. But there was something about a stadium in Senegal uh, that, or an arena in Senegal that's new and 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 is potentially being scouted at as an op- as an option. People are saying the UFC fumbled the bag. They had the three Nigerian-born or Nigerian heritage champions there with with with. Um, or two, excuse me, and, and, and Cameroon for for Francis Ngannou, I believe, but they had that opportunity with the three champions to do something incredible in Africa. My understanding is there just wasn't the infrastructure there to, to hold an event of that magnitude, and literally, like the UFC is going to have to invest a ton to make it happen. Now with Adesanya back at the top of the tree, they can maybe use that to to, to 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 justify the cost and the crazy effort of going in and doing something of that magnitude. And of course, you could still have Kamaru on that card, albeit in a non-title fight, but. I think the the fight to make for for Izzy next a familiar opponent, and again we're talking legacy fights now. He wants to get one back. What are the what are the the losses on uh, on old Izzy's record? Who is who, Pereira? He's avenged. Adam, who's the other loss on Israel Adesanya's record? You tell me. That's one, Mister Polish Power, Blahovic, <laughs> who is now making a move. It would appear down to middleweight. He tweeted out he's coming to 185. He also uh, put up a hilarious picture of him drinking uh, drinking wine and smoking cigarettes, saying he's working on his conditioning to get to 185. Very very funny. That's the fight to make. And okay, he hasn't got a win at middleweight, but he's a formal title former title challenger, and he has a win over the champion. That's a narrative all day long. Can can is climb the mountaintop and overcome? Uh, you know a. a Mentally, the challenge of getting in there once again with someone who's beaten him. Talk about legacy, two losses, both of them avenged in vicious style. Izzy versus Blachowicz is the fight to make, and you do that later in the year. Izzy has been one of the most active, if not the most active champion since, since his time. We talked about how many fights he's had. He's had to fight like every four or five months. It's somewhat ridiculous. Give him time off. Bring him back in October. You could... St- they talked about going back to Australia as well. Let's do it. Bring, bring, go, take the UFC back to Australia. Israel Adesanya headlining in Melbourne against Yanbljovic for the belt. Five rounds, middleweight strap on the line. The 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 narrative and the and the, the way you could sell that it, it writes itself. It's beautiful. That is the fight to make. Israel Adesanya. Meanwhile, you do, you know, Rob Whittaker may emerge. He might take care. He probably would take care of Drikas Duplessis, or he would take care of Hamzat Chemayev. Whichever way the UFC wants to go, you could then uh, have Rob Whitaker as as the co-main event, or even as the backup fighter, uh, for, for, in case something goes wrong. And then eventually, we might see uh, a third contest between Adesanya and Whitaker. But there's very few challenges left for Adesanya at middleweight. Maybe two names. Because I don't consider du- Dupe someone he should hang around for and wait for him to get himself in shape to make that fight. I think he does Blahovic, he does Hamzat maybe, depending on how it all shakes out. If he fights Costa, he will beat Costa and then he can levy, he can uh, lobby, excuse me, for a title fight. Brilliant. That's that's what is he should do in the next 12 months. Blahovic, maybe Hamzat or Rob, and then go up to 205 pounds.
1: Personally, I'm interested in any and all of those fights. For some reason, Hamzat still just seems like the most badass option for him because he, it's just him picking him out of the lot. Like, all right, I'll give you a chance. And everyone thinks he's yeah. the scariest guy ever, yes. blah, blah, blah. And if he just destroys him, it's just like, you are, you're the GOAT.
0: <laughs> and, I, and I I think he could. I think his takedown defense is, is good enough. And he's he's got such range and he's so fast. Comes out striking is violent, but he's a brawler. Uh, is he could technically pick him apart, and Kamzat would be rushing in, and I think he would get caught. I think he, I think he would handle that challenge relatively comfortably. However, what would make it even more badass is that Pereira called out every other contender in the middleweight division except Kamzat Chimaev because he knows exactly how that fight would go for him because he doesn't have the takedown defense. He doesn't have the hours and years training mixed martial arts that Adesanya has to where he's got himself to a level where he can stay, keep the fight standing if he so chooses. Yeah man, I I agree with you. Like it would be so badass if he goes, you know what? He doesn't even deserve it. But everyone's calling him the boogeyman and I'm gonna put his lights out as well. And then Blahovich, I'll see you after that. That would be unbelievable as well. I I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset at all.
1: Me either. I I, I think Izzy will stay down for a little bit, especially with Pereira probably going up. Uh um, yeah. Yeah. Who do you think Pereira should fight?
0: Great question. Great question. I mean, the narrative is right. The problem is he doesn't have the belt now, so it makes it difficult for him to go up and challenge Jamal Hill immediately. Styles make fights, and the problem is if you give him Ankoliyev, Ankoliyev will just take him down, and and I don't think it's a, a smart fight. Alexander Rakic fancies himself as a, as, a, as a good kickboxer. He's a big boy. Potentially, Rakic would be an interesting one, and if he runs through Rakic, there's an immediate narrative there. The other option is, him and Yuri Pahashka, of course, makes for an extremely, extremely interesting fight. If Yuri doesn't come back and challenge for the belt immediately, now I believe he has guarantees. I believe he has assurances in place that when he vacated the belt, he put his good faith, put good faith in in the UFC. Who said you will get an immediate shot upon your rematch? And I don't, I don't think that they would do him dirty like that because of how. Well, he handled the situation, and what a, a, an absolute warrior he was to, to to do that. But that being said, him versus Pereira would be unbelievable, and the UFC could throw the bag at Yuri to say, "Hey, you might not be getting the belt, but this is as good as, and then this is this is for the number one contender spot. Let's see what you've got. You get Jamal Hill to defend against ankolaev and then and then we we go from there. I think that could be extremely interesting as well."
1: Yeah. I guess it all depends is there a time if there's an whatever the timeline is on Yuri because if it's still a fair while, I don't know. I don't know if he's healthy yet or not, but you could nearly go Pereira versus Hill and then you know, Yuri just fights the winner anyway depending on
0: um, Yeah. Time. Yeah, depending on 100% depending on his depending on his timeline. I think Ankalaev would be bloody furious. Um Yeah. Okay. He deserves a
1: fucking shot oh, too.
0: Here we go. So late uh, I just did a quick Google search because you know we do it on the fly because we're professional professional prepared podcasts here. Tammy. Let's see. Um no it can't happen uh, I'm I'm hearing that he should be back soon than normal but I'm just waiting to see uh, potential was also entertained. Hill welcomed all challenges that he would dominate Pereira. Uh, okay. Uh, one of those articles that's a whole lot of something about nothing. Uh, Prahadka earlier in January did say he was targeting a summer return. It's going much better, but yeah, let's that that's the big movable piece, the timeline in the recovery of of Prahatka.
1: Wow. At the end of the day, like Pereira just got knocked the fuck out too. So it's not like he wants to be. He needs time. He needs
0: time. Exactly. He probably needs nine nine months from from such a brutal knockout like that. He needs to properly recover. Of course, moving up to light heavyweight will help that. He's not doing such a strenuous, brutal weight cut on his body. That will certainly help him take shots in the future. But at least six months, I think, before we see Pereira again. And I think it has to be at 205. Whew. Anything else on the main event? I mean, we could go, we could go on and on with all the permutations, but let's, you know, in the interest of time, I think we should move on yeah, to the co-main event. On. Lay it on me, lay
1: it on me. The the Masvidal <laughs> Burns fight. It was, you know, you and I were messaging during the week, and um, we we're kind of saying like, anyone that just if even a ca- like fa- a fairly casual supporter about any any hardcore UFC fan. If you just look at this fight logically, there is no reason at all to even think that Masvidal would win this fight. And then there's just the power of Masvidal knowing how to hype up a fight, saying all the right things, getting you thinking. You He got me. He got he got me too. I kinda hedged. I hedged and, and I lost both the fucking hedges just quietly. Anyway, <laughs> <there's> <laughs> going. um and the, the fight, the, in, in hindsight, which is always great, the fight went exactly as it was going to go. You know, Burns just sort of dominates, gets it to the ground if he needs to, if there's any sort of danger, with the, which there kind of wasn't anyway. The only thing that I didn't see coming was the decision, but it was a three-round fight, so I wasn't like it's that big of a, big of a um, surprise. But, yeah, the, the, at, in the end of the day, this fight was kind of a non-event other than Masvidal retiring at the end. Which he kind of had into that too over the last few weeks. Um, and I think it's a, a, if he stays retired, I think it's a smart decision and it's the best way to go out when you're still relatively on top, you know, fighting top 10 guys and challenging something like he got slept. Um, so, and Burns is, you know, arguably the best fighter in that division, if not the second best, and at worst, the third best. So the fact that he just went three rounds with him didn't get embarrassed completely. And it was just a, that's one of the things with Masvidal, it's like that, that weight division, they're like all wrestlers, you know, like world-class wrestlers, ground guys, That they're just that build and yeah. Masvidal is not that guy and it's just not like – if he was a weight class up or even below, it might have been a whole different career. I know he was below for a little bit Uh, but, yeah, those guys are just beasts when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. And that was the difference in the end.
0: It was. It was. The first round was, you know, relatively competitive and that was the – one, as, as soon as it it went out the first round, I mentally tore up my betting slip on on my app. If I had, I would have ripped ripped it up if it was a physical paper slip. Because once it was out of the first round, that was it. It was all over. And then Gilbert had fig- figured it out a way. He was getting the fight to the ground. He was closing the distance. It was all the the race was run. But in the first round, it was that's relatively competitive. I'd say. Gilbert edged edged it with the takedown and then the ground and pound that he got but Jorge landed some shots Gilbert landed some shots Gilbert's striking just continues to get better and better and of course down there at, uh, at Killcliff where he's working with uh, Henry Hoof and just great murderous training partners on a daily basis his striking is going to continue to get better and better he's he's got so much more to learn because he was starting from an empty cup and it's there's there's, there's plenty left he's young still he's fresh he has. He's been in that one war. Comes out, but he hasn't had any brutal knockouts or anything. He's been very smart in his last few fights. Very, very impressed with Gilbert Burns overall. But once he got out of the first round, it was it was pretty much curtains. You know, Jorge was looking for. A fairy tale ending, the night in Miami, and he got me. I taught myself into it after when it first came out. I said I was going to hammer Gilbert Burns by win, and the line got so bloated. I flipped over to the other side and went, you know what? It's actually it might be worth it because if he can land something, if he can land a flying knee, if he can do something crazy, then he might be able to sneak a sneak a win and and, and you know keep the gravy train rolling. Unfortunately for Masvidal, it wasn't the case. Um, He became a superstar late. He was already 35, 34, whatever he was, in 2019, when the run began, the flying knee that turned him into one of the biggest stars ever. And then he leveraged the opportunity, took the short notice fight against Kamaru. And that, when you take a short notice fight and you turn up and you make weight and you do that, especially during covid He made himself a superstar and secured the bag. And his management got him a new contract before the Usman rematch. And oh boy, Jorge Masvidal is a very, very rich boy now. And ultimately, did he become champion? No. Is he revered in Miami? Yes. Is he got businesses coming out of his arsehole and business opportunities because of all of the connections he has down there? Absolutely. He's a millionaire. He's retiring with his health intact. It's prize fighting, after all, and his legacy is, is is defined. If if his run had happened a few years earlier, he might have had a chance to get to the title. But ultimately, he was just short of the elite guys, and he always came up wanting when he when he really got to the pinnacle of the division. So you know, good for him. It was the right decision to retire in front of his fans in Miami. I think it was the perfect swan song. I hope it's a proper retirement. I hope he isn't tempted to come back and fight Conor McGregor. I think ultimately, I think anyone who, you know, even if Conor's Conor's nowhere near the peak of his powers anymore, Conor McGregor would dismantle Jorge Masvidal at this point. The the he's just not there. The the speed is gone. The head movement has gone. He probably got screwed up knees. He looked a bit heavy. He was doing swimming, which is always a tough sign, a a bad sign that you're swimming and doing low impact cardio and exercises. So overall, I I think it's the right time for Jorge to step away. We didn't get the the magic, the fairy tale ending, but hey, we rarely do. And it's nice that he didn't go out splattered across the canvas like a a lot of people end up going. So he goes out on his own terms in front of his home crowd. What a career, became a very rich man. And I suppose if you had if you had have said to him when he was fighting dudes in Kimbo's backyard brawls that one day you'll retire in front of twenty thousand people or whatever the arena capacity is, fighting one of the top guys in the world for the UFC, oh you'll have a mansion, you'll be a millionaire, you'll own a nightclub, you'll own bars and restaurants, you'll do this, you'll do that, he would have. But they but they said you'll never win the belt. That kid would have snatched your hand off for door number A, the way his career has panned out without question. So I'm sure he's not disappointed. I'm sure he'll look back with pride at what he's been able to accomplish and change him and his, uh, and the, the life trajectory from, from his family and his dad, his children, his wife. Uh, yeah, so good for him. For Gilbert Burns, he didn't do enough. He was had to make a statement to dislodge Colby as the guy. Dana White is intent on using his Dana White privilege on Colby Covington. Uh, and it's very interesting to see you know, that, that that is going to be the one going ahead. But Dana White also said that Gilbert Burns wants to weigh in as the backup and get, you know, get a little brown envelope full of cash for doing so. i weigh in as the backup fighter for that main event come July when Leon defends his belt, when Leon beats down Colby Covington and retains the title, that he can do so. And he's earned the right to do that. And I think Gilbert is there or thereabouts to have the next title if shot If I was as well. Leon,
1: I would just pull out of the fight. If he doesn't want to fight Colby, just be like, all right, Gilbert's back up, Cool. I'm going to be injured the day before the fight. Or I've got gastro the day before the fight. And then it's just Gilbert Burns versus Covington for the interim title anyway. And then he's like, I'll fight the winner of that fight. That is the move.
0: Yeah, because he's going to do that in England in front of his home fans on a massive pay-per-view seller and give up millions of dollars. Yeah, that's... You know what? You you should start a a fighter's management business with that kind of strategy.
1: Well, if... I don't think, um, in all seriousness, I don't think Leon would care about fighting Colby that much. I think he wanted that Masvidal fight because it would be huge money. It, yeah. He probably does want to beat the fuck out of him, and that's just completely off the table, obviously. And,
0: Correct. And exactly. It, we talked about this. off the this. table
1: because of the retirement. But even if he wasn't retired and it was just the loss, like it can't happen now. So yeah, it's got to be Colby, and uh, I don't. He I don't, will lean think into Leon the Colby fight now. Cool. Yeah, because Colby's probably going to make him more money than Burns. So.
0: Exactly, exactly, A lot more money than Burns. A lot more money than Burns. But Burns gets himself back into the mix now. He's fought for the belt once before. Had some early success against Kamaru, and he was the champion. I do think. I do think Leon is
1: it will be too good for for both of them. His striking. I is, do as well. Is so and I'll be so going far ahead, for Leon. But it's interesting. But I, I it's, it's think an interesting. That Col- Col- Colby would be the favorite. Oh, I think so too. And I reckon Burns and, and would and be said, It's hilarious. Like I think Leon would beat them all. And and I don't think he'd be the favorite in any of these fights.
0: No, I, I think you're probably right. I think we're going to make some money betting on Leon Edwards in these fights coming up, because as you said, this the top of this division has been, currently is, and has been very grapple-heavy wrestlers, jiu you know, dominant jiu-jitsu guys. And look at the guys coming behind: Bilal Muhammad, very much a grappler, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, someone who wants to take you down and smother you and and make it an ugly fight, take it down to his world. Leon has just been developing and leveling up his skill set, so he's going to be ready to go. For, for that but let's not get sidetracked let's focus on 287 and and some of the other fights uh let's 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 move on now to rob font versus adrian yanez wow these boys did not mess around they stepped into a phone booth and kicked shit out of each other for two and two and a half minutes until rob font went all right all right kid, you've had your fun You've answered a few shots on me. You might have rebroken my orbital bone, or at least seriously damaged my eye. Let's get out of here. It's time. It's time to send you back to the uh, to send you back to the gym. You can lick your wounds. You can learn from this, and maybe we'll see each other again in the future. But now's my time, son. You're not taking my number. I'm defending this, and I'm starting my own run because my journey at the top of this division is far from over. Rob Font looked brilliant. Yanis looked very good as well. But the experience of Font just shone through in when the fight started to get a little bit sloppy. He remained technical. He remained calm. And, oh, my goodness, it was a violent knockout.
1: Yeah, Yanez, like you said, he looked, he looked amazing in like the first minute. And yeah. everyone was like, oh, shit, this guy is the real deal. Like, this is why he's fighting Rob Font. Uh, I think everyone was thinking the same thing. And I think Font being the pro that he is was probably planning on the best case scenario was doing what he did, but maybe in later round two or in the third round, you know, letting this guy tire mm-hmm. out a bit more. But Yanez clipped him fucking well a few times. He's like, oh, yes, shit, I think he I did. need to do this sooner or else I could be knocked the fuck out. And he did it perfectly. I couldn't believe it. It was a brilliant fight. It's it's that slot, man, that third fight on the main card. It just always turns out to be a banger. Yeah.
0: yeah, It was, it, it was beautiful. Yanez, doesn't lose much stock from this at all. Um, he'll, it'll be a huge experience gainer for him he, by the toughest opponent he's fought in the division by a long shot. He needs to go back, recover. And I think it shows that he needs to really, you know, he needs to spend some time focusing on his cardio and getting in brilliant shape, because I do think that's what, what led him down. The, the hands started to drop. And that's when the opportunities came for Rob Font. What's next for Adrian Yanez. I'm not sure. Um, there's, there's a few fights happening. There's, there's a good fight uh, between nine and 13 uh, coming up this weekend between Pedro Munoz and Chris Gutierrez. That's an interesting one. Maybe Yanez could uh, could could get the loser of that. Him versus Pedro Munoz would be a great fight, um, and as would his him versus uh, versus Chris Gutierrez as well. So uh, really really interesting really interesting fight. Uh, oh, re- to see what the, the UFC does with Yanez next but he certainly doesn't lose any stock. And Rob Font, on the other hand, bam, he's looking one way. He gets to the UFC. All right, all right, all right. I put my ranking on the line. I gave your little little upstart a shot and I smacked him back down into his place. Rob Font's not done yet, baby. Rob Font is just getting going. Rob Font has fought a murderer's row, as we talked about on the preview show. My goodness, he's fought some dudes and it's time for him to get another opportunity. And the fight that he said he wants is to welcome Davison Figueiredo to the 135-pound division. Give him that fight, UFC, because we're wondering, who is Davison going to fight at this um, you know, gridlock top of the division? You've got Aljo versus Cejudo. Merab is waiting. Sandhagen is there. O'Malley's there. Figueiredo is, is not getting anywhere near a title shot this year, even in the first first half of next year. There are so many other fights to play out. Rob Font deserves a big name. You can make that as a as a the main event on a fight night. Font versus Figueredo. It writes itself banger of a fight. Give Rob Font that big name. Give him the opportunity to fight a former former champion and and, and see what he can do to move one step closer to a title opportunity later next year once the rest of the Bantamweight division sorts itself out. So I think that's...
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: I love that. it's Credit to Font for having a name ready and going, that's the guy I want. I want him. Brilliant. Brilliant. Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Delivered. It delivered. It was a very, very, very fun fight. Kevin Holland, man. What has he he got in his gloves? He knocked him down on one leg with a little back fist. Unbelievable.
1: It's crazy, wasn't it? It was... It was a bit of a, yeah, all over the place fight. Just two guys that are probably both too tough for their own good. Uh, So unique. Uh, Holland obviously is just that freak athlete. And yeah, it was as entertaining as we thought it would be. But I just don't think... Holland probably has potential to be like a championship contender because he's just such a, like a unicorn of a fighter. He's so different to that whole weight division. But... At this point, I, I feel like both of those guys. Obviously, Ponzinibbio got knocked out uh, by Holland, but both of those guys just quite aren't ready for that next step up. And I'm not sure what's what's next for either of them, but whether they're gonna you know fight for a title, I like I'm sure they want that, but I don't think it matters too much in the scheme of things of them making money because they're gonna be given fights on big cards because they're entertaining. And have a crack every single time they go out there. And if that that exact fight at that level where those guys are ranked was on every USC pay-per-view main card, I would not be complaining. So yeah, yeah. You, you can't knock either of them, I don't think.
0: I'm very interested to see what they do with him next because he called out Masvidal, Masvidal's retired, but that's sort of the level of of guy that you're looking for. Yeah. He isn't ranked he isn't ranked, even though he fought you know, he fought Stephen Thompson. He came up short, but that was it. That was a hell of a fight. A few interesting names that you could you could give him. Obvious, from 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 an Australian fight fan perspective, I don't think he's got a fight signed yet. Maybe maybe I've missed it. There were some rumors. Kevin Holland versus Jack della Madalena would be unreal. That's what a, a fight that would be! That would be an absolute banger, and you could. You could you sell the crap out of that fight. I think that could be really interesting. That could nearly Him night against, night. It could. It could, especially if they don't don't go down the pay-per-view route later this year in Australia and do a fight night. Jack Deller against Kevin Holland could absolutely be their headliner of a fight night. Uh the other options potentially, you're looking at Neil Magney. It's not, not, not a fight that interests me. Vincente Luque, that would be a banger. That could be really interesting. Jeff Neal, once he recovers, that could be a great fight as well. A battle of the strikers, heavy hands on both of them. I think there's some real interesting fights for Kevin Holland. I don't think he's ever going to get right into title contention because he doesn't seem to make the best decisions. But having said that, he is a fan favorite and you're guaranteed to get a good performance out of Kevin Holland whenever you put him on. So yeah, the UFC is going to give him plenty of, uh, of good fights and I'm excited to see absolutely any one of them. Ponzinibbio looks like he's he's pretty much over the hill at this point. Probably time to consider hanging it up or at least not taking top-level contenders or top-level guys anymore. He just looked a step below. Let's talk about Raul Rosas Jr., the 18-year-old against Rodriguez. I got a hand up. Did not respect Rodriguez enough coming into this at all. Um, Admittedly, didn't know much about him. I thought the positioning, it it was the UFC giving him a layup. Should have realized that UFC, you know, was gonna give him a challenge uh, to see what he was made of, and it was a win-win situation for them because now Rodriguez is like, "Bam, I, I'm taking your shine, son. You got to go away and, and and see what's what." People are already writing off Rosas Junior. Being like, "Well, that's it. He's never gonna amount. No, 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 no. He's 18 years old. He got his first loss, and how did he own <laughs> Well, yeah, held so his own. Had an okay first like round. You know, he didn't get he didn't get absolutely flogged. It was conditioning. It was the moment. It was the not being put in these difficult circumstances. I'm sure at the gym he trains at, he's the the, the guy. He's the phenom, etc. Maybe he doesn't get put in these dark difficult positions on a daily basis in training. Maybe he needs to go somewhere else to train and where lower himself, humble himself, or he's being humbled now and go, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I want to go and train with people who are better than me in every single facet of my game so that next time I'm prepared. This could be the making of Rosas Jr. if he takes it in his stride and handles it well. And he seems like a, you know, considering he's 18 years old, he seems a pretty, um, you know, switched on, uh, self-aware Kid, even if he does say outlandish shit like I'm better than Aljamain Sterling, which clearly is not the case, but he's 18 years old. We all said and did stupid stuff when we we're 18 years old. His brain isn't properly developed, and he spent his whole youth wrestling and getting punched in the face. So of course he's you know probably not going to be always saying the most rational things. But he's got a good he's got a good base there for him to to, to work on, and this should be a making of him. On the other hand, Rodriguez takes it all. He goes, goes to the UFC. Yep, give me someone big now. I uh. I I took the risk. I was there to be made a fool of and lose to an eighteen-year-old. I sorted him out. I I put your boy back in his place. It's my turn. I, I I'm going to be a contender now. Put me in with someone. I want I want either a ranked guy or I want I want a fight that will put me in the rankings with a win. That's what Rodriguez needs to do. Leverage his position and um you know get just very very impressive and I underestimated him. What were your thoughts on 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 the fight?
1: Yeah, same. Put my hand up. We were very confident on Rosas uh, Jr. to get the win. I think throughout the week, though, watching the Embedded, watching, uh, listening and watching to podcasts, and then even on fight night, because I stru- I, I'd already put the parlay on, I started worrying. I was listening to DC, Anik, talk about Rodriguez, who's been trained with these guys, all the guys he trains with, say, like, he's an animal. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, oh Uh-oh. uh-oh. We didn't do our research. We know way less about fighting than we think we do. <laughs> uh, and that's what happened. He just, he just, it wasn't like Rodriguez was a phenom and it was destroyed. It was just like he was just way more of a pro. And he just fought yeah. that how any professional fighter should fight an 18-year-old, let them try and kill you in the first round, gas themselves out, and then you kind of just take over and dominate. And, you know, if that was a five-round fight, he would have been mauling him in the fourth and fifth. You know, yeah, so absolutely. It was a it was a really professional performance, and yeah, uh, put my hand up to it there. But Gastel, hand there. up, Gastel, fucking amazing.
0: He looked great. He looked like the Kelvin Gastel of old. I can't. I, I was so happy watching that fight because of the 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 mental anguish and torture they must have must be going through, on that one and five run after coming so close against Adesanya which obviously ultimately changed him and took something from him. It really, really affected him uh, for him to, to be able to get that one over Chris Curtis, get the fight of the night, perform in a spot where a lot of people are, are looking. He's going to leapfrog Curtis, Chris Curtis. Let's um let's make some fun fights for, for Kelvin Gastelum. Let's, let's see how he goes against maybe a Jack Hermanson, even a Roman Delitte would be a real fun fight. Um, Kelvin Gastelum versus Roman Delizy, I think, is the fight to make. Delizy's got heavy, heavy hands. Kelvin's got probably better boxing, and Roman's a, a better wrestler. But 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 Gastelum's no slouch at, at grappling at the grappling game either. I think that's probably that that that's the fight to make for Kelvin. For Chris Curtis, he acquitted himself well. He made it a close fight. You know, he's he's an older so guy tough. now, Chris Curtis. He's tough as fuck, man. He's unbelievable, but he's an older guy. He's had. He's had forty professional fights. He's thirty-five, turning thirty-six years old at welterweight. That's pretty much gonna be the. He's probably added ceiling. I don't see him taking one more big leap forward. No shame in that. No shame in that at all. He's re, he's re, he basically retired, and he's had a, a career resurgence in the UFC. Had some brilliant wins over some tough guys. I don't know exactly what's what's next for for, for Chris Curtis, but. You know, how about Joe? How about uh, Joe Pyfer? That <laughs> that could be fun. Chris Curtis against Joe Pyfer because Joe Pyfer looked great against Gerald Mearshart. That was a, a very very impressive performance, and he he did everything he needed to. He was obviously the better striker, the faster striker. Mearshart wanted to take it to the ground. I thought potentially, you know, this this could have been fight of the night. Ultimately, Pyfer was just too good, and he put it on him, man. He absolutely. Put it on him to the point where, a, the second Mearshot went to the ground and turtled up, he quit. I don't care what anyone says. And maybe I don't think anyone's maybe arguing. I'm creating a bit of a straw man argument here. Maybe Mearshot will say he didn't quit. He quit. <laughs> he turtled up and he wanted no more of yeah, Joe Pfeiffer's heavy he hands. He, he 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 tapped out mentally. And I wonder what repercussions that will have because Mearshot's just uprooted his family. He's moved down to Killcliffe FC. They've relocated to Florida. He's got a whole new gym, whole new and that. You know, that wasn't the result he was hoping for at his first run with his new coaching staff, his new corner. Be interesting to see where Mirshart, the 50-something fight veteran, goes from here because Pfeiffer looked good, man. Pfeiffer looked good. Um, and it was probably, a f- you know, we said it was grappler versus striker. Pfeiffer was put in there to look good. He's got the UFC contender, what, contender series hype behind him. B, Joe Pfeiffer. And he did exactly what he needed to do. He looked excellent.
1: Yeah, he looked big too. Fit. <laughs> Big and fit. Here could be a problem. I think Mearshart um, probably wants Pfeiffer to keep winning too to make that not look like such an embarrassing loss because if Pfeiffer goes yeah. like a three-fight losing streak from here, that's a hor- horrible look. Uh, but if he's on a three-fight win streak and looks like a contender in the making, you know, future champ, well, then it's not that big of a deal to get beaten up by him um, on the warpath.
0: Exactly. 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 The one, the one guy I would actually also consider for for Pfeiffer instead of instead of a Chris Curtis. I think an interesting fight would be Brad Tavares as well for Joe Pyfer. I think those dudes would stand in the middle and, and trade absolute leather. He's got heavy hands. Pyfer's got heavy hands. I think that could be a really fun fight as well. For if if the UFC doesn't want to push him too quickly, doesn't want to give him a ranked opponent right away. If in fact Curtis does stay in the top fifteen, he probably will will sit there at fifteen. But let's let's see what happens. But I can't wait to see Joe Pyfer once more, um, mate. Any other fights that that sort of stood out to you, or let's? Do you want to let's brush over the parlay and pretend it never happens? Maybe let's just yeah.
1: The parlay ended up being Raul Rosas Jr. to win, so that was a, a loss. We also had uh, Gilbert Burns and Masvidal to go the distance. <laughs> uh to not go the distance. Uh, that oh did. shit! So. It was ugly. We had that. Oh, I forget the, guy, the guy's name. The first leg that you picked, he got up. Um
0: what was his Holland. Last name? Holland. I yet? think
1: I picked Holland, right? No, no, no. We changed it last minute on Saturday. Remember, you, oh. you gave. Um, it was an early prelim fight. Oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. Um,
1: um, he won. Bahamondes. I actually didn't see that fight. Yeah, but he won. Yeah, yeah. Bahamondes. I, I, I liked him going into it, so he, he got up. But yeah, yeah. So the other embarrassing thing, I said I hedged my bets on that Burns Masvidal fight because I was, you know, talking myself into Masvidal getting the win, and I was saying to myself, there is no logical reason to bet on this fucking man to win, and I go, well, if he's gonna win, it's it's gonna be a KO. So I went Masvidal KO, small small bet, and then double that stake. I did Burns by KO or submission. <laughs> 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 So thank God Israel had a sign. who got that KO. Gambling,
0: gambling, one hundred one.
1: Yeah. Oh I, God, we're very, we're very, absolutely healthy day useless. In the end, thank God. And, Beautiful. Uh, just a healthy weekend, just quietly. But uh, good. Well, good for you. Good,
0: for you. good for you. Fine financially healthy because I'm, I'm you know maybe had a couple of drinky booze and all that. I um <laughs> I I I probably ended up breaking even. I, I got on Rob Font being a dog came came through for me nicely. Kevin Holland, uh, I was confident in. Um, is he I didn't bet him by KO but I bet him to win that was nice just a you know a little, little uh, unit on that I but I had I had a six leg boxing parlay over the weekend over a, a few different events and came 5 of 6 and the leg that that fell short for me the guy lost a questionable split decision of course shitty judging and boxing would be my downfall of what would have been a very nice weekend uh, but such is life, to my friend. This is the card. way. This this is the way it goes. The yeah, uh, you know the, the I got some got some chocolates, got some nice wines. Didn't get a nice boost to my bet three six five account, unfortunately.
1: Oh, you're but- one of those kids. You got fucking wine, did you? You're one of those kids. Remember at school, we like I'd just get a couple of Easter eggs. Some kid would rock up with a fucking Game Boy, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why are these He's getting presents for Easter, you motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I was just you know bought wine anyway. Uh, that, that was uh, in, in, enjoyable. But we have the chance to make it back. We're not we we're not going to run this uh, you know a super super long episode here. We're not going to do a full deep dive preview of the fight night coming up in Kansas City headline between former champion Max Holloway against up and coming contender the one the only Arnold Allen. It's going to be a banger of a fight. Holloway is still one of the best guys in the world. Don't let his performance against. Uh, Volkanovski fool you even though you know it was very one-sided it's just Volkanovsky is that bloody good we've seen it now uh, the proof is is well and truly there for everyone to see but but Max Holloway is still still one of the absolute best and we've seen in his performances against Calvin Cater, against the current interim champion Yaya Rodriguez who looked incredible Holloway looked incredible against him I do not expect it to be an easy night out for the office at all for Arnold Allen. But if he can get it done going into enemy territory, it will truly be one of the best performances from a British fight fans perspective, one of the best performances by a Brit in mixed martial arts history. Does Holloway absolutely-
1: potentially retire if he loses his foot?
0: I think he either retires or at least moves up a weight class because there's nothing left for him at 145. He's a skinny boy. Go and enjoy your food and, and move up to 155. Do it properly. Have some money fights, have some fun fights, and then look about calling it quits because I'm sure he's got plenty of dough. He was a champion for a long time. He's a huge name, but he still is relatively, uh, relatively young. He's only 31 years old. In December, he's going to be 30. He's still got a good few years left in him. So I don't think he retires, Start but I would like to see him move. everyone else up. in
1: Hawaii eats.
0: <laughs> exactly. Enjoy, enjoy all that delicious cuisine that they have in Hawaii. I am sure there's plenty. Of good food available for him, so yeah. But other fights very, very quickly. We're roids. not going to
1: preview. take a year off, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Retire, get out of the testing pool, and come back. Absolutely,
1: do Jack- all the way? would Edson- be fun let's be honest.
0: Oh, it would be very fun, yeah. It'd be very, very fun. Uh, some other fights on this card, man. There's some, this is a great, great fight night. Edson Barboza against Billy Q. That's not going to be a boring fight. Billy Q doesn't know how to be in a boring fight. Dustin Jacoby, always fun at 205. Uh, we've got Pedro Munoz as I mentioned earlier 135 pound clash between two ranked bantamweights Chris Gutierrez Pedro Munoz going to be great Clay Greeter back again <laughs> you always know what you're going to get from just as ridiculous and then a couple more fights I just want to want to flag here Brandon Royval against Matthias Nicolau is going to be a banger circle that for fight of the night do not miss it it's going to be a frenetic fun flyweight fight between two dudes who are vying for a possible opportunity at a title coming soon uh, against, against uh, Brandon Moreno, definitely do not miss that fight. And then Gillian Robertson, who's always, always fun holds records at 125 pounds in terms of wins finishes by submission. She's actually moving down to 115 pounds to potentially start what she hopes will be a title run there. Uh, Her, 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 ground game is is savage her her nickname is Jillian the savage Robertson she is a savage on the ground that will be a fun fight this is a great fight night it's going to be at in Kansas City I'm not sure um what the what the uh arena capacity is it's the T-Mobile Doesn't Center a um yeah I mean it, it's going to be about 17,000 people in this arena it's going to be brilliant you do not want to miss this card it, and it feels will- like a
1: pay-per-view we've been we went through the COVID years when the fight nights were, were in the apex and in a weird like it kind of sucks and when they're in the apex now it sucks even harder but it makes you you kind of tricks my mind at least into like you're watching these fight nights and you're like are we just watching a pay-per-view right now like the crowds are yeah like, yeah, yeah it does. and you're just like this is so good
0: this is such a good card that you slap a title fight on, on top of this main event and it would be a pay-per-view. That's yeah. that's the quality of this fight night. This is a banger. They've really they've stepped up in the matchmaking, uh in the fights that they've been able to get together uh and put on this event. It's gonna be a great one. Do not miss it. And of course, we will bring you all the breakdown, all the reaction in our next episode. And the punch drunk train just keeps rolling. We got a few new listeners recently, so if this is one of your first episodes, Hello, welcome. Dana. Hello, Uncle Dana. Hello, Hunter Campbell. We're glad to have you on board, of course. And if you do enjoy this show, please please tell a friend. I know everyone's got other friends who watch MMA. Send them this episode. Tell them to enjoy our beautiful breakdown of what happened on a very, very special night in Miami. UFC 287 is his greatness. Cannot be understated. Let's get out of here, man.
1: Tell the yep. people what they need to know. No, I just, just want to add to that. Yes, if, you, if you've if got friends that watch MMA, get them to listen. If you've got friends that don't watch MMA, stop being their friend. Uh, you can find us at PunchDrunkPod on Instagram, PunchDrunkPod underscore on Twitter, PunchDrunkPod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us a possible parlay, a possible idea for the show, uh, up-and-coming fighter. If you want to be a guest uh, at any other reason you want to send us your birth certificate or something, you may as well do that too. Uh, Punch Drunk Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Give us five stars. Give us a review. Punch Drunk Pod on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Look at our beautiful. Like faces. and subscribe. Put a Get face us to over the, name. the sub. Come on. Uh, what else do we want to add on there? Anything else you wanted to tack on? Uh, if you want to send me some wine for Easter next year, you've got plenty of time <laughs> to do that. That would have been nice. Um, other than that, so good to see you, mate. Thank God Izzy won. Uh, for more reasons than one, I was very glad that he's still the middleweight champion, but uh, we might have to reveal that at a later date. And, oh boy, massive fight night coming up. And, um, yeah, hopefully uh, some other announcements that could be good for the show in the next few weeks too.
0: Yeah, Stay tuned for what I would say is a pretty, pretty big announcement for the show and potentially in our personal lives as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. And yeah, we'll be back next week with a recap of Holloway versus Allen. Peace.